In a parallel universe, this month's guest might be a huge rock star in Britain. But luckily for country music fans, he stayed in ours. I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. 30 number one singles as a writer and producer, six of which he wrote in 2015 alone. He's won multiple BMI and ACM Songwriter of the Year awards. His producing chops helped him earn a CMA. He works with the biggest names in Nashville, including songwriters like Shane McAnally and Josh Osborne, and artists like Dirks Bentley, Brett Eldridge, Jake Owen, and Darius Rucker. He just released an EP of solo material that includes a co-write with Ed Sheeran, and he used to party with The Who. It's an honor and privilege to welcome Ross Copperman to write you a song. You wrote your first song when you were 12. Were you a musical kid before that? Did you grow up in like a musical household? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I had, My grandmother was a classical pianist, but I never met her. She passed away when my mother was a, a child, and I'd always heard about her playing classical piano. And so I started kind of banging on the piano that was sitting around our house when I was a kid, and... You know, I guess my mom probably wanted to to relive some of that, the piano that she grew up listening to as a, as a child in her house. And so she encouraged me to take lessons. I took classical piano my whole life, and uh, I loved it and I hated it at the same time. And But thankfully, it led me to songwriting, and um, I couldn't imagine my life without that. Can, can you remember when you first started, you know, uh, playing with the piano and you were a kid were you did you feel yeah. sort of like can you remember if you felt drawn to it yeah it was definitely my escape it was definitely you know i grew up in a, a volatile household so it was a nice escape for me to be able to put my head down and just improv so i would just get lost in making up making up my own songs just just instrumentally you know um like when i was finished with my classical piano i, I would just kind of just create a movie in my head and, and I would, you know, score the whole movie for an hour a oh, day, wow. you know, uh-huh. it's kind of what I would do. And uh, it was just kind of my, my escape. And, um, I encourage my kids to, to learn how to improv at a very young age. I just feel like it's, a, it's an important part. It's kind of everything, you know, is it kind of a musical version of, of journaling where you're just, instead of your, your thought. Oh doctor. yeah, man. That's a great, you know, I actually used to play jazz piano at a, at a country club in Roanoke and I used to literally, I got really into jazz and I would literally watch as each person came in and I would, I would adjust the song to fit what I thought that person's personality was. No way. So if somebody came bouncing in all happy, I would play a super bouncy kind of little tune and I'll just kind of make it up as I went. And then somebody came in kind of looking a little dark or down. I would, I would play a somber. I would, so I would, I would do this for four hours a night. I was playing at this, at this country club and <laughs> really where I learned how to improv and learned how to, it's probably where I learned how to write songs and, and channel emotions from people, you know, did those people know you were creating soundtracks for them? Sometimes I thought, wow, I wonder if this person is catching on to that. I'm playing their, <laughs> their theme song right now, but I never know. I know. I don't think they did. I've actually never talked about that. I, it was something I used to, I've actually never even told anybody I used to do that. Uh, that is super funny. interesting. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still, do you still do that? Like if the studio engineer Man. comes walking in and you're plinking around? <laughs> God, I don't, and I. It's kind of what I used to love the most about music was that freedom you'd feel, 
And I feel that in writing songs and being able to create something from nothing and, but playing jazz and improv was, was such a big part of my life. Uh, I don't, I, I just don't do it anymore. Now here we are talking about the, the music, but the lyric yeah. writing um, is also so important and you are so yeah. good at that. And we'll get to some of your 30 number ones here in, in just a little bit, but I, I love the story about the first song that you wrote when you were 12. Could you please share that? Yeah, I wrote a song for this, this, project called Odyssey in the Mind, which was a competition where you kind of put together a play and you prepare the music and everything. And we were 12 years old and I wrote this song and I was dressed up as a whale and I played this song called Find Your Own Sea or something like that. I can't remember, but I played and sang this song when I was 12. You know, a 12 year old nowadays, you'd be like, oh my God, so of course they did that because kids like, I feel like kids these days are a lot better than, than we were when we were kids, but I played it and the judges disqualified us because they thought that my mom wrote the song. That was kind of my first taste of reality. Like, wow, okay, the world is the world is a little cruel, you know, like that's that's crazy. <laughs> they didn't believe me. And so my mom never let that rest and was always like, You wrote that song and that that was probably the tipping off point for me to pursue 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 that more. When did you know that music was gonna be your career? Uh, probably in college, I took a songwriting class. The first class I'd ever taken regarding songwriting, I didn't know that that was even an option. You know, I, I didn't know that writing songs was something you could do. Although I always grew up hearing about this guy named Tommy Lee James, who I, was from Roanoke, Virginia. And I always heard this big shot dude, Tommy Lee James was a big hit country songwriter from Roanoke, Virginia. And I thought, God, that is so cool. That guy went from my small town to Nashville and he made it. If you see her, tell her the light's still on for her. Life ain't always beautiful. Tears will fall sometimes. Life ain't always beautiful, but it's a beautiful ride. It was always in the back of my mind, Tommy Lee. And um, I took this class in college and I started playing shows and feeling that energy of a crowd. I started building a little bit of a, a thing at JMU and I started touring. And those are definitely the moments where I realized, wow, okay, you know, I, this is, I love this. This is definitely what I have to do. You know, I'm giving it everything I have. And my, my parents were very supportive, which was a huge part of it. Was that right around the time when you, you stalked John Mayer into a, a restaurant after one of his shows? And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was the biggest John fan in college, as, as most of us were. And I went to see him at Roanoke College right before he blew up. It was like right before his TRL debut. He even said in his show, he's like, y'all, I'm about to blow this world's mind. He said this in his concert, like, I'm about to blow every woman's mind in this country. He said something like that. I was like, wow, okay, he's a little cocky, but he, he must know something we don't know here. So I followed him to this little restaurant called Mac and Bob's, and I, I kind of walked to this table. I was just like, John, I'm just such a big fan of yours. And, and then he said something slightly crude as a joke, and then he invited me to sit down and join him for dinner. And I did, and he suggested a book to me called Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Patterson, 
which that book also was a huge pinnacle for me in, in changing my life and realizing, wow, you can really hone it. I never used to focus on lyrics. And, and that was the first moment I realized, wow, lyrics are important. And this is how you get better at writing them. I actually ran into John about three years ago at a Grammy party in LA and told him this story. And he's like, well, at least I did something right. Tell me to buy the book, you know? <laughs> and then <laughs> um, I think you're the, the second country songwriter that I've had on here who actually spent time over in Europe. I had James T. Slater on a while back and he, he spent a yeah. few years over there and, uh, and, and you went, but you weren't, you didn't go as a songwriter and as a backup band member. Um, you went and you actually had a, a, a singing career in your stuff. I, I, uh, her, uh, heard your debut album and it's really good it's really melodic oh, it's power you, pop like late 90s uh, it's just <laughs> it's in that sweet that's spot that's what I grew up on she wanders all alone this is all she's ever really known a stranger in a scale nothing more it's all she's ever been She spills these words across the page It helps to ease the pain And she cries Nobody Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's really, really good. It, and I was like, I'm listening to this going, what what, what happened? So what did happen? Uh, you know, I've learned so much since then. It was just, it was mismanaged. It, I, I was a cocky 23-year-old that I thought I could write all my songs by myself. I didn't need to co-write. I thought I knew what songs I should put out. I, you know, it's, it's the reason I'm able to be a producer and a songwriter and help young artists because I lived it. And I'm, a, and I'm able to see the mistakes that I made along the way, which I can see it so clearly now, you know. Um, and I'm able to help young artists, guide them on their journey and not make the same mistakes I made. You know, but if but if it had gone well there, who knows what I'd be doing? I, I I don't know what I wouldn't have my family now, and I wouldn't be writing country songs, you know. And so I'd probably be a washed up British uh, British power pop artist, you know. <laughs> well, let me ask you this then, and, and I hope you don't mind me asking because it, it's going down kind of a serious path. But I know that you did you had some some trouble with drinking and stuff when you were over there and you yeah. fell in with kind of a, a, a wrong crowd and stuff. And I mean, again, yeah. you're young, you're a kid when you're 23, 24, 25 years 23. old, 20, yeah. you are a kid and you, country music totally, has just Tom. seen Morgan Wallen kind of go through this same thing. And yeah. There's so much more of a spotlight now on, on young artists. Is that the oh, kind of God, mistake yeah. that you're talking about recognizing? I mean, obviously Morgan's was, it was there for the world to see and he's, he's, you know, yeah. doing what he can to atone and, and I'm sure that he will Absolutely. at some point, but what are your thoughts on, on that and, and the temptations that young yeah. artists face? 
I just was in this rock and roll culture. And, you know, my, my drummer in my band was Ben Townsend and Pete Townsend's nephew. And so he would always drag me around to who shows and go see, you know, hanging out with Roger Daltrey backstage at the Royal Albert Hall and calling me by my first name, you know, Roger and Pete Townsend. You know, I was Ben's buddy. And I was just hanging out with these guys. I left a Pearl Jam show with Eddie Vedder in his limo from Wembley Stadium. We left Wembley in, in Eddie's limo and went back to Ben's apartment and just par- like hung out and partied all night with Eddie Vedder. You know, that's just like, I was kind of like emerged into this rock star life. And I was just a 23-year-old kid from Virginia and just be- becoming not the best version of myself and kind of merely imploding and realizing I, I, I literally have to leave here. I have to like go back to Virginia and kind of reset. It's easy to lose yourself in, in, in that. Yeah. There's like, it seems like there's a critical time for, especially for young and not just yeah. young artists, but young athletes. You see it too, where they're suddenly yeah. hit with success or something that looks like success and yeah. everything, like everything becomes distorted. Exactly. So I was 23, got a record deal going to the UK. Every, all my friends in Virginia are like, Oh my God, like you've made it. And I go over there for two years. And I had mild success, but it didn't really go, you know, the way mm-hmm. it should have. And so I come back to Virginia feeling like a failure. You know, I went, everyone's thinking, oh, my God, he's, like, doing all this stuff. But, like, in my mind, I completely struck out. And so I'm, you know, I'm just like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And I just realized at that point, song. I'm a songwriter first. And that's always been my passion in producing records has always been my passion. And so I, I just, I knew I had to, to go to Nashville. Do you ever, do you ever talk to young artists that, that are upcoming to say, Hey, look, you know, don't oh, always man. What, what's like the number one thing you tell uh, them then? Well, it's always, you know, it's always, it's why I've been able to be a producer all these years and kind of just help, help young artists. And I always tell artists and writers to call me, just call me and talk to me. You know, I've, I, a lot of people don't realize that I've done all, I've been in those shoes. You know, I've, I was in your shoes thinking that I could write all the songs myself and thinking that I, you know, I knew, I knew everything I should be doing as an artist and, you know, and I was just encourage artists to trust their managers and trust their teams and surround themselves with good people that, that, that ground them and don't just tell them yes. You know, I've never been like a producer or a writer to just tell artists yes. You know, I'm the guy that's just like, no, that's not good. Like, you shouldn't do that song. This And this is why, you know. What drew you to country then? Because you were, here you are, living the rock and roll lifestyle. Doesn't sound like you grew up yeah. steeped in, in country music or country tradition. Yeah. How did you hang a left into country? I always knew the way I wrote songs was a very country style of writing songs. It was telling a story. Structurally, I was writing, I I always felt like my songs fit country and structurally. And, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I took a trip to Nashville. I actually made my first record in Nashville before I even got a record deal. This was in college. The record was called Believe with Phil Vassar's keyboard player and Clay Ryder brought me to Nashville to the EMI demo studio. And I made my first record there. So I had this this soft spot in my heart for Nashville. Cause that's, that's kind of where it all started for me to be honest before anything else. Um, I'm talking like OG Nashville. Like I that was like the old school Nashville days, man. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which that EMI building is no longer there now. It's, uh, you know, it's a hotel or something, but, um, as is much of music row, but so, and I just came here and I, I found a community of people that loved writing songs as much as I did. And they really embraced me and that weren't, weren't about partying or drugs or, you know, like it was, it was a good community and it just, uh, it felt right. I knew it was right. You said that you had you felt like you had to kill off the singer performer side of yourself before completely uh, becoming a yeah. Nashville singer songwriter or not singer songwriter but Nashville songwriter producer. I had this feeling this whole time that God, if any if if any of these artists find out that I'm an artist too, they're not going to want to record my songs. They're, you know, why would they record my songs if, if I'm trying to be an artist? too and compete with them and so and I, I even encourage new producers to, to do this because you almost you honestly have to give all of you to that artist or else you're not doing them a, a, a proper service you know if I made those three Dirk Bentley albums when I when I was trying to fully pursue my artist career and touring that wouldn't have been fair to Dirk's you know mm-hmm. so it's, it is a fine line and, uh, you know, now I am back in the artist seat. I'm, I'm doing it again. I have a record deal again. And I have a really good team. Um, but I'm able to manage it all better now, you know. And, and it's a different world these days. And, and at that time, as you were getting yourself established, you had to focus 100% on the songwriting aspect of things. When did you realize yes. when you were in Nashville and writing that you could be good at this? Huh. I think when I when I met John Knight and we wrote the song called Glass, the re- well, the Thompson Square was glass, and the the reaction from our publisher was just like overwhelming. And I knew at that moment, like, wow, we could okay, we could write songs we love, and and this could work. Trying to live in love with a heart that can't be broken is like trying to see the light with eyes that can't be opened. Yeah, we both carry baggage We picked up on our way So if you love me, do it gently And I will do the same We may shine We may shatter We may be picking up the pieces here on after we are fragile, we are human, we are shaped by the light we let through us, we because we are. seem like you have written quite a bit with certain artists more than others um sure dirks is, yeah. a, is a great example um and i want to talk about some of your your terrific songs with him but also brett eldridge i mean it, the run yeah. that he recently yeah. had you were a huge part of that do you just like people fall into friendships is is it the sure. same way with songwriting you find people that you just totally you know and me and brett became friends very early on in the very early days we were running around music row together and so we always had that, that unique bond. And then we just started writing songs and we just kind of stumbled into 
songs like Beat of the Music. I just met you a couple hours ago. My last night in town. Hey, wouldn't you know? I get hooked on a girl with blue diamond eyes down here in Mexico. Oh, now you're walking up, asking me to dance. Smiling that smile and reaching out your on your love just writing what we love to write not really knowing what we were doing it's not in the whiskey tequila or the wine it's all about the touch and the fire in your eyes it gets me fumbling always stumbling through a haze i got plenty to do just laying here with you all day into it and, and then had a few hits and did it a few more times and, and are still as good of friends now as we were then you know i know brett a little bit creatively he is just uh a, sure a, yeah. a, a jumping bean it's it's amazing and i've heard the same said about you um does it uh, does, <laughs> does it get a little chaotic sometimes or does it do the two of you <laughs> together does your electricity sort of cancel each other out oh that's so funny you know, and it's kind of what I always do with artists. I, I follow their lead. That's kind of what my role is. It's just, you're there for that artist to follow their lead and kind of pull out of them what they're wanting to do and say. Are you more of the lyric guy or the, the melody guy? You know, I generally will bring in a vibe that I've made with a, with a, with a mumbling, some mumbling some fake words and, and, a, and, a, and some chords and a, and a vibe and, it's funny, Zoom writing has turned me more into to a lyric person over the past few, and it just depends on who I'm writing with. You know, if I'm writing with Shane McEnany and Josh Osborne, well, then no, I'm, I'm just going to like, you find your lane, and, and that's what makes for successful co-writes. But if you're writing with someone else, maybe you are a little more lyric, you know, like in a pop write. I, I can bring like my, you know, 15 years of national experience to, to writing lyrics in a pop write in a different way, or... You just find where you fit in the puzzle and and go and let everyone else do what they do best, you know? It's, That's what I found works. You have a great quote about writing with, with Shane and Josh, um, and I think it's something effective. When they start writing, I shut up. I do, because it's like <laughs> these, are, these are two of the best to ever do it, like ever in history. And, you know, I, think, I feel like when writes, 
don't go well, it's when everyone's just trying to step on each other and outright each other or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've just always been a proponent of bringing the best out of others. What it sounds like to me, it, and this is held true with a lot of the songwriters too that I've talked with, is it's so important to be uh, malleable. It's so important oh, yeah. to be versatile and to yep. kind of read the room. And like you said earlier, you find the lane that you need to be in for that particular yes. day. That just seems like it's exactly. one of the biggest keys to songwriting. It really is. And it's one of the hardest things to teach. You either know how to do that or you don't, but I do. You, I'm sure you can learn, but it's, it's definitely one of the most, I'd say that's the most important piece to it, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. You want those other two or three writers to leave that room thinking, God, I would really love to write with, with that person again. That was just a fun hang. I felt good about myself today. You know what I mean? If everyone leaves feeling like, oh, God, that was hard, or oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to win every time you step into a room. You get your first opportunity to write with Ashley Gorley. You got to leave that room with Ashley Gorley wanting to write with you again because you brought in great ideas or you brought an energy that he's never seen. You just, you know, you challenged him or, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's always been my MO is to to make to leave with that feeling. And then while we're talking about versatility, I mean you've written with some of country you are one of country music, contemporary country music's best songwriters. You write with the top songwriters, and then you, you sit down and you write songs with Ed Sheeran that, that end up yeah. on your on your EP. Is there a difference? Are is a songwriter a songwriter a songwriter and it doesn't matter the genre? Or do you have to kind of switch gears a little bit when you sit down with somebody like Ed Sheeran because his music is a little bit different? With Ed is, is another example of kind of sit there and shut up because he's just one of the best I've ever I've ever seen in my life write a song. It's probably the same as it would be to write a song with Paul McCartney. But yeah, you have to shift a little bit. Again, it's just a malleable thing. You just have to kind of find, okay, where can I support Ed Sheeran in this? What can I bring to the table here? You know, and you just find that lane and you do that. And you wrote a couple of songs uh, with Ed that are on your EP. And it just happens that they are, in my opinion, two of the strongest songs on there. And if you don't yeah. just talk, you, first of all, I saw that you, you said you, you wish that you had asked Ed to cut them. And... <laughs> it's like you don't have to be that unselfish keep them for yourself and you did um, uh, but the songs are therapy and electricity talk about them yeah we wrote them both in the same day the first day i met ed you know we wrote three songs in, in about four hour period of time and for a long time i thought yeah okay he's made, he's gonna probably want these for himself and time passed and we ended up pitching them around the, the country artists and everyone loved them but nobody ended up pulling the trigger on them and I just I loved them so much for me I just I'd always loved them for me and so I, I mustered up the confidence to email Ed and ask him if I could cut them you know which isn't a huge you know big deal for Ed it, it was so nice of him he wrote me right back and was like dude I'd be so happy for you to do this you must be so excited to be in art to be in the artist seat again and so him him supporting me was a really really big uh, stepping off point in endorsing my artist career again. First time I heard electricity, I thought, man, this could be a Lady Antebellum song. Um, yeah, it totally could be. Yeah, yeah. From the autumn nights to the summertime, you know the more that I know. 
of going down that road or are you going to keep yeah yeah i am i really you know i I, i've been building this and i'm i you know i have uh, over six hundred thousand monthly listeners on spotify and i'm just growing my socials again and and it's been really fun and i've learned a lot and i just i'm excited to have a platform again to put out music that i love for myself and um it's, it's been very cathartic doing this, making this music for myself again. It's, it's actually inspired me in a whole new way. It's almost like a pivot. I feel like every four to five years of my career, I like to pivot, not turn away, but pivot into, into or else I just get burned out and I, I need to like change, you know, like I can't write in the same space for more than three years. I, I'm like, I'll throw a backpack on and come right anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it's kind of a pivot for me and, and a re reimagination of myself as an artist. When you come back to country, does it feel fresh again? It does. And it, it's made me write in a fresh new way because I'm now thinking of songs that I would sing for myself. And so I write, I'm, I'm writing in a little bit of a different way now. I'm like, Oh wow. What I, okay. I understand why Kenny Chesney won't cut this song. I get it now because I'm, I'm experiencing this. Oh, this song doesn't, doesn't feel like my voice. You know, I'm learning a lot in this process again, as a 38 year old adult making a record and putting out music, you know? Right. Uh, Speaking of Kenny, there's a really interesting video of you on YouTube where you break down writing, get along instrument by instrument. You're actually, you've got the, yeah, You've got the tracks there on your screen and you're talking about it and, and you talk about like, just for example, and you're talking about the demo track that was made. There's an organ in there and you say it takes you to church and it just, it's a really fascinating um, look, not only into the structure of a song, but into how your mind works. So this is Get Along, the original demo to the song. Uh, I wrote this song with Shane McAnally and Josh Osborne. Um, and so this acoustic guitar with this, the DB33 uh, organ. I just love, I love this organ, the, the, the standard Pro Tools organ. Just in this setting, I, I think it's the gospel setting, just takes you to church. And I, I love that about it. It just feels like it's- Yeah, when we're writing these, it's, you know, the instruments inspire the, the, the ideas and, the, and vice versa. And that's what inspires me is pulling up an organ and, and where does that take you lyrically? Or, you know, that's, part of what I can bring to a room when I'm writing. Then were you surprised? Or, or are you constantly surprised when, because what I was listening to and hearing on that, that YouTube video isn't what the final song sounded like from, from Kenny Chesney. It, it was quite a bit yeah. different. Does that catch you off guard ever? Or like, Oh yeah, always. I'm all, at first I'm always like, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, what, what have they done? Oh my God, <laughs> this is not right. 
I always freak out, and then I call the other song. Right? I'm like, guys, have you heard this? Oh my God! They say this is not right. We have to, we have to fix this. And then I live with it for a little while, and I'm like, okay, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. They took the demo and they made it brilliant. Ah, oh, I love that story. That because I've, I've heard from some songwriters who are completely. They say that they they don't care. You know, they're, they're ambivalent. Oh, no, I very much care. Because a lot of times I end up producing the song. And so I get to see the vision through how I ah. saw the demo. But, you know, not every time. I'm not always right. And so, like, John Cougar, John Deere was a good example of that. Keith kind of, that demo is very different from the way Keith ended up doing it. And I heard the original, the final Keith, and I had a slight panic attack. Because it was so different than I had imagined it. And it was another example of him being right, you know? That's right. I'm Mark Twain on the Mississippi. I'm Hemingway with a shot of whiskey. I'm a TV dinner on a tree trying to figure out the wheel of fortune. I'm a Texaco star. I'm a Gibson guitar. Still a teenage kid trying to go too far. I'm a jukebox waiting in a neon bar. Any song that Jay Joyce produces catches me off guard. Like, like he did a song called "Born to Love You" by Lanco that I wrote, and, and it was just a little different. It was a little different. It took me a minute to come around to it, but when I did, I came around and realized how brilliant it was. I was born in a town full of red pine trees. County sign says, "Follow your dreams." Westbound train makes the whole town shake. Friday night lights decide your fate. I'm born again in a church where the steeples wide. Preacher preached, book of John, and my mama cried. And meaning life was in verse two. Didn't make sense till I found you. how brilliant they are you know if people are producing a record they're doing it for you know they're obviously incredible and so yeah i'm never i'm never like disappointed what what's a song uh that 
stayed pretty true to your original vision or the sound in your head? Uh, like setting the world on fire was, was very true to, to that. And any song that I produce stays true to the demo because it's how, how I, the demo is how I hear the song. Most of the demos I knew that I write that I produce the song end up sounding like the demo, just 20% beefed up. Yeah, we got drunk on Laosian and Go Boulevard. Taking pictures of people we thought were stars. It's easy to give in to your heart. When you're drunk on Laosian and Go Boulevard. When the song coming out of speakers was the band that you had on your t shirt. We were screaming cause all the streets were empty. And you kissed me and we were up all night and we were feeling so good. Yeah, we got a little higher than we probably should. We were in a hotel singing in the hall. Way lights, we were striking the matches right down to the ashes. Setting the world on fire. All right, I want to throw some songs at you real quick. We've got to wrap this up, I know, and I appreciate the time that you've yeah. given me. But you just if there's a story behind the song, just uh, let her rip. Uh, one of the most sonically cool songs of the last several years in country music, Smoke. Oh, yeah. that Michael Hobby walked in and had a Blackberry Smoke hat on, and we were all sitting around like, what should we write? And I was like, what about a song called Smoke? And... They're like, all right, let's do it, and um, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever surprise yourself with you know where the idea starts and and what the finished product is? Oh, it's always exciting, man. It's, and then we then you know what gets exciting is oh wow, let's compare smoke to the girl. Like she likes smoke. You know that's interesting. You know, taking it just a title and then how do you make that interesting? A great, I think, turn of a phrase um, that was just a huge hit for Brett Eldridge. Want to be that song? Yeah, God. That was Scooter Caruso, who's a genius lyr- lyricist, uh, Travis Hill. Um, that song is everything to me. It's just so simple, but the but the lines and those verses are just so, so intelligent. I just love everything about it. Scooter came in with a lot of that, a lot of that done, and kind of handed it on a silver platter to me and Brett. Oh, I 
Uh, a song that's a, a hit right now, currently, uh, for Brett Young, Lady. It, that's a, as a dad. Yeah. Even though my yeah, my daughter's grown, um, man, I can re- relate to nearly every line in that song. Yeah, you know, Brett, he'd always, he'd, he'd wanted to write a song for his baby girl, and it was right before she was born. We actually sampled, he, they'd just been to the doctor that morning, and, and he, they heard the heartbeat, and he played it on his phone, and I recorded it, and that's what's in the intro of that song. heard your heartbeat it had only been eight weeks standing there staring at that screen was the first time you ever scared me god knows i don't know exactly what i'm doing but good news we got her to get through it i hope you look just like your mama and love her like I do You'll see close to perfect patience If you watch your every move You can always run to daddy You'll always be my baby But look at her, baby girl And you'll learn how to be a lady Just how to be a lady Um, your songs, there's one underlying theme, I think, through most, if not all of your country songs, and that is, like, there's a positivity, there's a, there's a hope. Yeah. Is that, is that deliberate? Oh, so it's just kind of my MO as a songwriter and a human. It's kind of, I've always been that guy, that that's what I've wanted to do with my music, and that's, I kind of feel like that's my purpose, you know? It, I want to write songs that make people feel like they're, hey, there, somewhere there is a light on in your darkest of times, you know, you just, just remember there's a light on music. Really? It's your refuge. You still love everything about it. Don't you? I really do. The other night I was writing a song after kind of taking a week off. I was like, said to my wife, I was like, God, it just brings me, I just love it. So I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that. Like, I love the process. Josh Osborne always says this and Josh gives me a hard time because now I say it, but you got to love the process. If you don't love the process, you shouldn't do it because you have to, that's, that's how you, you can do it for 20 years and, and not be tired of it, you know? And the process can be kind of a, a pain in the ass sometimes. It can be. Oh, most of the times it is. Most of the times it is. It's like, oh my God, are we going to ever figure this out? I, I want to get home, tired of sitting here, mm-hmm. but, but you got to bear, you know, but then there's the other days where it just comes in, it comes in 45 minutes. But the ones you fight for, you look back on in a year and you're like, God, so glad we fought for that. 
you know, and it is what it is. Like confession was one of those in FGL that we fought for. That was two or three sessions that we fought for that song. I remember right until it was dark at night and, you know, the wives are like, where are you guys at? Well, we're just grinding on that lyric. And you look back on that now, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm glad we fought for that. I, you know, the process, man. Do you sometimes feel like a, a musical paramedic trying to keep the patient alive? Uh, if that's the case, I usually just pull the plug. <laughs> All right. I want to circle back to a question I almost asked earlier, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, this will be the last question of the interview. Thank you so much for talking. I yes, love Tom. I, I can feel your positivity through the phone. I hope the people listening <laughs> feel it too. What would 1997 UK Ross Copperman think of 2021 Ross Copperman? Oh, God, man. What a great question, Tom. Oh, man. Ah, that's, a, that's a really good question. I could spend a few nights like pondering that with a glass of whiskey, man. Um, <laughs> he'd say he, he, would, he would be proud. He'd be proud. He'd be proud of him. Yeah. That's a perfect answer. Dude, thank you so much. Tom, thank you, man. This is awesome. What great questions, man. Rusty barbed wire lines, these fields, gravel dust behind the wheels, drifting like my mind into the rear view. Jet trails couldn't cross the sky, I'm rolling through the open wide, searching for a song to drink a beer to. And trying to find a place to disappear to. And that'll do it for this month's Write You a Song. Thank you again to Ross Koppelman for taking time to share his story and some of the secrets to his success. And thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, again, subscribe, leave a review, share it with other songwriting fans, and you can follow me on Twitter for podcast updates at KNCI Tom. Next month's guest was actually inspired by this month's guest. Recall towards the beginning of the interview, Ross talked about being inspired himself by a guy from his hometown who had already made a name for himself in Nashville as a songwriter. Yeah, I didn't know that writing songs was something you could do. Although I always grew up hearing about this guy named Tommy Lee James, who I was from Roanoke, Virginia. And I always heard this big shot dude, Tommy Lee James, was a big hit country songwriter from Roanoke, Virginia. And I thought, God, that is so cool. That guy went from my small town to Nashville and he made it. And I thought that'd be a cool guest to follow this interview up with, especially since he's written songs like these. She's my kind of rain, like love in a drunken sky. If you see him, tell him I wish him well. Are you with me? Are you with me? Tears will fall sometimes Life ain't always beautiful But it's a beautiful ride With a little help from Ross Copperman, Tommy Lee James is our guest next time on Write You a Song Some days I miss 